This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. and welcome to today's In Conversation With podcast. Today I'm joined by jewellery designer Theodora War. She launched her eponymous brand in 2014 following a lifelong obsession with jewellery. I am personally a huge fan of what she does so Theodora, welcome. How lovely to be chatting to you today. How are you doing? Good, Georgie. Thank you so much for having me on. Very honoured to be talking to you today. Well, very kind oh, of your hoops. Very, very kind of you to say. I'm going to come onto your hoops later and grill you a bit later. But let's start at the beginning. Why jewellery? How did you get to jewellery? What did you study? Was it always a plan? Talk us through how you ended up being how in the jewellery business. How did it all begin? Well, I mean, I'm, I've always been a bit of a magpie. I've always, always loved jewellery. I had a small business when I was, I think I was probably about 12 or 13. I don't know if you remember that craze of safety pin bracelets. Do you remember that? Uh, I do. I'd I just about that one. Yeah, and you, sort of, and you thread beads onto the safety pins onto and the they'd pin. go on yeah. elastic. And I started making them, selling them to friends. And then there was a shop on the King's Road that started buying them off me. It was a great way to make a bit of extra pocket money when I was about 12. That's cool. You're yeah. 12. What was the shop yeah, on the Kingsway? It was called Ad Hoc. Yes, was, I thought you were going to say Ad Hoc. That was a riot of passage for me, that. I don't know if it's even still there, but it was, still it was a there. big thing when I was 12. Yeah. <laughs> if you were a teenager in the 90s, Ad Hoc was the shop on the Kingsway. Exactly. Like, exactly. Wacky, wacky, wacky stuff. It was yeah, sort of verging on punk, kind of. Yeah, yeah. neon punk. Exactly. And that was my sort of first little mini jewellery business venture. I don't know if that's what started it because I mean, I've always loved, I've always loved jewellery and I've always been very into crystals. And I had an art teacher at school, actually, who always told me that I would be a good jewellery designer. So I don't know if that planted a seed in my hmm. mind, but, but it all started from there. An early and so- age. You saw the bracelets to our talk while you were at school. You finished school. Where did you go after school? Did you study anything relevant? Well, firstly, I went to Chelsea and did a foundation there where you do a little bit of everything. You know, you sort of do a bit of three-dimensional design. You do a bit of fashion. You do a bit of photography. And I then went on to London College of Fashion where I did a women's wear BA. And mm. after leaving there, I took myself off to India to Jaipur where I did a gemology course. How did you find a gemology course in India? How did you know about that? Well, I met somebody who was living out in Jaipur at the time, which is where I went to. And she said that she would help me get an internship at the Gem Palace, which is sort of the main sort of big jewellery house in northern India. And they used to make all of the jewellery for the Maharajas and Maharinis of India. And I was doing an internship there and, and they sort of told me about this course 
Um, so it all sort of just happened very naturally. Oh, how cool. Yeah. And how long was the course for? It was about three months. Oh, were there other English people? No, I was, the, I was the only Western girl. I mean, it was taught in English, not in right. Hindi, but it, it was interesting. And, you know, and I was working, doing this internship at the same time. So, so I was sort of surrounded by all this, the stones that I was learning about, which was really, really helpful. Oh, fascinating. Um, yeah. So... London College of Fashion to Jaipur and you came back were you like this is it this is me jewellery is everything when I was out there I started making a few designs and when I came back I was selling them and yeah and I sort of started that way and then I realized that I wasn't really ready to be doing something on my own you know I didn't really know what I was doing and I thought that I wanted a bit more structure So I fell back into fashion and started working in magazines again. But I was still selling my jewellery at the same time on the side. Which magazines did you work for? I was at Russian Tatler and Russian Vogue. Condé Nast at the time, I don't know if they still have it, had an international office on Maddox Street, which is where the sort of international titles worked out of. And I was a fashion assistant there for a couple of years. So you were doing your jewellery on the side and was your jewellery kind of gaining momentum more and more? Yeah, it was good. And it was amazing because I was sort of learning more about not necessarily the jewellery industry, but it was, you know, I was learning about the fashion industry and I was working with lots of accessories and... Yeah, useful stuff. Yeah, exactly. And making good contacts as well, you know. And had anyone inspired you when you were younger to want to do your own thing or to want to get into jewellery? Because... You know, I think I think if you look at a lot of people, they'll all say, oh, God, I had this wonderful grandmother who made me passionate about jewellery. Or, you know, I met this amazingly successful woman and I was, you know, is there anyone looking back well, in your childhood that played a role in doing what you've now gone on to do? It's funny that you say that because it was my grandmother. Oh. <laughs> so there you go. Very cliche. <laughs> but she really was the most elegant woman. And she was a Garrod by birth. My oh. maternal grandmother, I don't know if you're familiar with Garrod, but you know, yes, they were the yes, crown jewellers absolutely. and they made the beautiful tiara that Beatrice just wore that the Queen also wore on her wedding day to Philip. Wow. Um, God, that was just quite a tiara, wasn't it? <gasps> it was my favourite, favourite tiara. And actually of all of her collection, it's the one that sort of stands out as just being, oh. Amazing, but, um, cool. Yeah. No, so she did was your very grandmother elegant. work within the business? No, no, she didn't. But she also had a sort of love and an, an understanding of jewellery. And she had some beautiful, beautiful pieces of Garrett jewellery, which I remember, oh. you know, always sort of being in awe of as a child. Well, hopefully they'll filter down to you one day. <laughs> so, <laughs> Here's so, hoping. Exactly. So you were at Russian Vogue. You were building your business on the side. Were you selling jewellery or were you just designing? Like, talk yeah. us through how the balance changed and how. Yeah, yeah. I was always selling it on the side, but I hadn't sort of officially set up my business, so to speak, which I did in 2014. And after having left Glamour magazine, where I was for three years, and I was, again, working in the the fashion team there. Did they know you had a side hustle? I think it's really interesting because I think so many people are working in a sort of nine-to-five job, but actually there's something 
they're developing on their own. I certainly did that before I started Shedux. And, you know, there are companies that really embrace that. You know, I know Google have, you know, they almost give their employees, I mean, they can afford to, they have so much money, but <laughs> they can mm. give their employees a day a month or whatever it is, maybe more to develop their own business. And I think that can be so valuable to a business. Were you open about it? Were you talking well, you about it? Or what? was it I, like, I don't know. I think, yeah, I, I mean, it's a funny one because I think particularly at the time with the magazine industry, you know, all these editors were getting so many sort of gifting for shooting X piece of jewellery or, you know, that wasn't, you know, the done thing or allowed. So, you know, you didn't want anyone sort of doing any favours or thinking that, you know, if you had a jewellery business that your jewellery was being shot because you know, you were working within the magazine or something. So, yeah. but my fashion director knew that I wanted to eventually do something in jewellery or in accessories. Uh-huh. She'd always put me on to do those sort of pages, but I didn't publicise the fact I was kind of selling my jewellery as well as working for them. And just before we focus on jewellery entirely, did you enjoy that job? Did you enjoy being in fashion accessories? Did you enjoy working for a magazine? Um, Would you do it again? What was that experience mm, like? It's kind of a dream, no. isn't it? But yeah you know I think I thought at the time it was you know and it's not as glamorous as it sounded that's for sure I was on a plane a lot of the time we were doing lots of cover shoots in LA or in New York where all the celebs were and it would be in and out in 24 hours you know LA is a long way for a day when you've got six suitcases you land you're unpacking them you're working all day, you're packing them up again, and then you're back on the plane. Would I do it again if I was given my time? Probably not. But having said that, I learned a lot. Yeah, which has obviously really helped you now. Yeah, So exactly. you left there and your business became your priority at that point. Yeah. And then we're in what, 2014 here? Yeah. So I sort of set it up then and so 2015, it was sort of all official. And what makes it official? Is it having a range? Is it having a website? Or had the website not come yet? Like, what were the things that you needed to have in place before you could say, right, I'm going to commit to this as a business and we're going to go live? Yeah, I think it was sort of when it was starting to make money, you know. what I mean, when I say money, you know, enough to sort of, that I, I didn't see it as a hobby anymore. Yeah. And I wasn't just selling to my friends and friends of friends, you know, they were customers, they were people that I didn't know. And it wasn't so much only word of mouth. And that's when I realized that it was more of a business and less of a hobby. Yeah. Yeah. And you talked about it getting beyond just your friends buying your jewelry. I mean, Mm. your jewelry has been worn on some of the coolest girls Aww. in the country, you know, <laughs> Kate Moss, Adora Boa, Jean Campbell. I mean, I'm sure the list is endless, but some pretty big names. How do you get Kate Moss wearing your jewellery? Well, that was actually purely luck. Vogue called in some jewellery for a cover shoot that she was doing. I didn't think anything more of it. And afterwards, I got an email asking for the credit details of my large gypsy hoop earrings so I gave it to them and again didn't really think anything more of it because often these things get edited out or you know don't make the cut or anything yeah and the next thing I knew she was wearing them on the cover and as was sort of seen continued to see out and about wearing them a bit which was really really exciting so she wore them on a shoot and then she liked them so she hung on to them and carried on yeah 
Nice. Yeah. Nice, the dream. <laughs> and for people who don't know that industry and how it works, like, what was the result of that? Do the phones, emails, orders, like, is it that instant? Like, if you get someone like Kate Moss or Kate Milton, where's your whatever, you know, it, is it that quick then you, it just goes mad? You know what? I think from what I've heard, Kate Middleton, if she wears something, it, it really does go completely crazy. A friend of mine is a dress designer and, you know, her website crashed from all of the orders. <laughs> but I, it's different with magazines now. I don't know that they have quite the same sort of selling power that perhaps they did because everything is more digital and it's more sort of, I don't know. I've noticed that though, that, yeah. you know, the selling power in, of magazines is less than it is of probably, you know, Kim Kardashian on Instagram. Yeah. Has she worn them yet? No, we've got to get her in a pair. <laughs> got to get her in. I mean, no one does better hoops. You've got to get her a pair. <laughs> I want to talk about the manufacturing and the product. But as we've got to Instagram, talking about Instagram, how important has that been to the growth and the success you've had? And how do you do it? Who runs it? Is it you? Is it someone else? Like, there's no such thing as an overnight success story, but my God, Instagram can really make something fly, can't it? God, uh, how have you used it and what have you seen the results to be? Yeah, it is amazing, Instagram. My husband hates it because I spend a lot of time on it. <laughs> oh, mine too. <laughs> I haven't got a huge amount of followers on Instagram, but I think that they're quite loyal to my brand, the ones that mm-hmm. do follow me. So if I post you know, a new piece, I do see a reflection in sales from that. Do you manage it yourself? I do it all myself. Yeah, yeah, completely. And does something get picked up by an influencer on Instagram and it goes nuts? The other day, Alexa Chung sweetly did a story on some earrings of mine. And I saw I received a lot of new followers, but interestingly, not necessarily sales. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that there's not necessarily a sort of correlation for me between a celebrity wearing something and sales, but I do gain followers. What's the piece of press you've had on Instagram or in a magazine or online which has had the biggest impact? I think Style Magazine is the ultimate. I mean, I mean, personally, I know that it's a magazine that I read weekly, yeah. you know, whether it's on my iPad or, you know, at home or whatever. It's, it's the one magazine that I will always flick through on a Sunday yeah. Yeah. or on a Monday. And I do think it holds a lot of selling power, Style magazine. So of all of them, I would say that Style would be the best. Let's go back a bit and talk about the manufacturing, the products, the design process. You know, you've got, I keep talking about hoops. Basically, Theodora's hoops are the best hoops because they're just oh. such a good thickness and size. And, and not too heavy, not too heavy. Not that was, too heavy. That was my Jeez. sort of, I know, I, there's nothing worse than an earlobe that sort of is dragging you know no, I am starting to look like someone who needs is going to put a sort of log of wood through their earlobe because my holes are becoming so big but talk to me about <laughs> what, talk to me about a love of jewelry <laughs> yeah. it's a love of awesome earrings I, I love an earring but talk to me about the design process the manufacturing process you know you've talked about mm-hmm. India and going on this mm-hmm. gem course is it made in India where are you making it how are mm-hmm. you designing it what, what's mm-hmm. that process I design everything here in London. Um, I have a studio in West London with, you know, a pencil and crayons and, you know, very old school. And then I will scan those in and send them to my workshop in India where they 3D render and sort of digitalize the designs. 
right into this program called CAD and it's amazing and then and then they send me back the design and it, it's almost like it's sort of a physical design already you know you can spin yeah. it around you can really get a feel for the piece and I can make any changes from that if it's a more expensive piece they will print a wax mold of, of the piece of jewelry and then ship that to me so that I can you know physically see what it's going to look like before it's made in metal but generally speaking I, I work just from the CAD digitally. You, is everything made in India? Everything is made in Jaipur in India from a couple of different workshops over there. Were they easy to find? I'm not asking no, who they are because I know that's no, true. <laughs> no, they were not easy to find. They were not easy to find. And like anything, it, you know, it's a case of trial and error. Mm. And I worked with quite a few workshops that weren't up to scratch and, you know, had issues with gold plating, with, you know, things falling apart and stones. And I now... I'm working with some really great, great people. But it did take a lot of time to find them. I've realised that asking a designer what factory they use is, is like asking someone how much they weigh. It's just a no-go. <laughs> it's something that, you know, takes a lot of time yeah, to yeah. find. And uh, it doesn't matter how good a friend you are with someone, but, you know, you're not going to get that out of them. I'm not telling you that. Uh, I'll tell you about my sex life, but I will not tell you who my factories are. There you go. And generally speaking, you know, they've become, you know, very good at not sort of saying who their other clients are. And that's all become much better because I think that used to be in India particularly. They'd say, oh, you know, we sew on the beads for Galliano or... (laughs) in wow. factories and wow. now they're not allowed to do that so oh is that right yeah 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 mm. so you can't go into a factory and say who are your clients i mean i don't know about legally or not but generally a good factory won't tell you who their clients are interesting mm. you just mm. thought that was their sort of that's how well, they you think you. that they well exactly you'd think that they'd want to show it off which is what i think they originally did but um it's all sort of supposed to be quite under wraps now <laughs> got it so what did you launch first in terms of the product collection and it's quite varied. So you've got your amazing hoops and then you've got sort of beautiful, more gem-based pieces and your wonderful heart necklaces. And then your amazing rings. And it's quite amazing. But what came first and how's the range developed? I did these sort of multi-bar rings, which were kind of really popular when I first started. And I got very excited because one was shot for a jewellery shoot in Chinese Vogue. And then I did a whole range of those. I think every collection, I want it to feel, you know, like it's me, but that everything is a bit different, you know, from mm. season to season. I, you know, I don't want it to be the same, which is why there is, when you go on my website, such a sort of, it's quite eclectic, you know. Yeah. When you're not looking at the collections, things don't necessarily speak to each other when, you know, if you're just going on to earrings, you know, one earring doesn't necessarily speak to the other unless you're in the collection. And do you still sell the multi-bar rings that you launched with? I do, I do. I only do it in a black rhodium now with little white zircons on. And I try not to repeat things. For example, that was something that, you know, very much resonated with the beginning of my career with me. So... You know, I I try not to continue everything, you know. Sometimes it's nice to say that's done, it's over, it's sold well and I'm not going to do it again. And tell me, is your mother of pearl 
star ring is that just flying out the door I bet it is the one that's shaped like a disc yes it's one of my more expensive pieces but it does sell well and I also do it in lapis I don't know if you've seen that yeah I have lapis Lapis is very last year lapis I found very popular people really yeah what is lapis very popular so lapis lazuli it's a blue crystal They used to use it for paint, you know, back in the Renaissance. It used to be ground for it. It has an amazing bright blue. Yeah, It's a beautiful, stunning. beautiful stone. I think both of those rings are absolutely stunning. Your hoop earrings with that, I think it's so clever how you've got the hoop earrings with an initial on one ear but not the other. That's cool, right? And has that sort of thing got you noticed and featured? Because... You know, that's a bit different. It's a bit... Yeah. But also, I like to mix my earrings. I, I wouldn't yeah. wear a pair of letters. But yeah. I equally thought when I was designing that, that um, Say My Name collection that, you know, you don't necessarily want to just buy one earring. And then what if you didn't have a hoop for the other ear? So yeah. it's just nice to have a little plain one in the other ear, which, you know, you can or cannot wear. But yeah, no, those were very popular. The wholesalers that I work with, I work with Matches and Liberties in the UK, and, and they both sold that alphabet collection really well. And how did you get in there? You know, everyone wants to get in there. How did you get into Liberty Matches? I mean, Matches was amazing. It was just after I started. A friend of mine who is a great makeup artist was on a shoot, which the fashion director of Matches was styling. And she was wearing a pair of my earrings and she said, oh, I love those earrings. You know, where are they from? And she said, oh, my friend makes them. She's called Theodora War. Here's her email address. And the matches fashion director emailed me and put me in touch with their buyer and said, I think that she's got great things and um, be worth having a meeting. Yeah. And Liberties, again, was it was sort of it was organic. It was word of mouth. They, you know, they had seen some of my pieces and, and got in touch because they thought that They were rebranding the jewellery store on the ground floor and thought that, that my jewellery would have a place there, which was really Amazing. exciting. Amazing. Yeah. And what percentage of your business is wholesale versus direct from your website? I'm not sure about the percentages, but I mean, direct sales for anyone that has a small business that, you know, they'll agree with me that that's the best type of sale that you can have. For sure, for sure. Um, and wholesale, you know, your margins are small and it's a yeah. lot of work. So you're more doing... Your wholesale sale, I mean, unless you're on a huge scale, which I'm not, for uh, brand awareness and PR, essentially, and for yeah. someone to say, oh, you know, I saw your jewelry on matches. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And what other marketing activities have you been doing to drive those sales on your own site? Because... 
you're obviously so right. The margins are so much better. Everyone wants mm. to be selling direct and not having to sell at wholesale. But it's hard to get people to come to your website, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. And yeah. what have you done to make that happen? Is it just that you focused on PR? Yeah. Um, I th- or have I you just... taken any other steps to, to drive awareness of the site? No, no. I, I just recently invested more in, in PR. I did it all myself until last year. And I joined a PR agency, which actually didn't work out for me because I felt that they had too many clients and they weren't giving the individual client enough time, which I think is important when if you're a small brand and you don't have a huge amount of budget to spend on a PR agency, don't necessarily go for the name with lots of clients. Go to someone smaller who can dedicate time to you and obviously knows the industry well, but it is really sort of looking out for you and wants the best for you which is what I've done recently and is working really well for me good good I don't think I let you finish on the question of what your best sellers are we got sidetracked by those (laughs) I mean is it hoops hoops and hoops yeah I mean earrings earrings sell really well for me because they're an easy sell rings are more difficult obviously with sizes Mm. and I think men tend to be more nervous about buying rings and you know my jewelry is it's quite a good gifting price point so therefore there's lots of choice so yeah the the, the earrings I think sell the best for me my little cuff hoop earrings sell very well with a single stone in them yeah they're they're very small and dainty and and you know they look really pretty when they're sort of layered up up the ear jewelry is a very competitive industry and you know particularly now more than ever you know there are more and more emerging great jewellery brands. How do you maintain your point of difference? And you've, you've very much got one. And how much do you think about that? You know what? It's something that I think you can't really think about when you're in, an, in a saturated industry too much, you know. I just continue to sort of do what I do and make what I love and what I think my customers are going to want and hope that it's different enough to to everything else that's out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, it is such a saturated market. Having said that, though, I think it helps that my price point... Yeah, I was about um, to say your price point is... Yeah. yeah, you know, I think that has helped because, you know, that there are a lot of very great fine jewelers and, and then there's a lot of, you know, less expensive than me. You know, the, there isn't so much around... Yeah, my you know my price point you know from a hundred to sort of four hundred and fifty you know it's a good price point you feel mm. like it's quality but it's not below the doors off yeah yeah interestingly I heard from matches and it's also been the same for my sales from my website during you know this period jewelry around my price point it's continued to do well because people aren't spending money on dresses for weddings and high heels for going out and. Mm you know, don't necessarily have the money for very expensive jewellery, but it's, you know, still something you wear every day and you're still going to gift to a friend on her birthday, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Was there a moment when you realised you had a proper business on your hands? I mean, you launched when you left Glamour, committed to the business full time. You know, I imagine that, you know, it took a while to get going. Was there a moment when things suddenly took off and you were like, whoa, this is happening? 
No, I mean, listen, it, you know, there were exciting moments, you know, when, when I saw pieces of jewellery in certain places or, you know, as I mentioned, in a jewellery shoot in China, you know, that was exciting. And I guess that's the point when I realised that it was growing. It's all just been very organic, you know. Has celebrities, the likes of Adora and Kate, you know, has that made a big difference? Is that what people should be aiming for, really focusing on who they can get their jewellery on? Or does that not matter? No, I think it does matter because I do think also, you know, what we were talking about, you know, getting, you know, your brand on a celebrity is going to generate, it's going to generate sales and it's going to have people talking about it, which is what successful businesses do, isn't it? And that's, yeah. So yeah, no, I definitely would say that is, um, although it's probably more on Instagram now than it is in magazines. Yeah. And uh, uh, on Instagram and all the influencers, that are out there is that part of your strategy is working with influence i mean i know i want to ask you about your camille collaboration but as far as gifting and getting your product onto influencers has that worked for you and is that something that you're continuing to to focus on certain influencers i think you know influencers they get gifted so much yeah and you know there are so many brands that want to work with them it's difficult to know who to gift particularly when it's jewelry because it's not you know it's not like gifting a you know baseball cap it's a piece of jewelry so you do have to slightly you know think about who's going to give you a return for people listening there's a lot of brands that start out and think you know god everyone wants me to send them something and they end up gifting like crazy and then people yeah. don't respond what would you suggest do you get in touch first and say look is this of interest or do you just mass sell out like what advice can you give people who might be thinking how do i go about the gifting strategy you know you have to put value on your own brand you know i'm quite strict about that uh, you know i think i often get influencers saying oh you know can i have a piece of jewellery, can I have the... And and no, you can have potentially a a small discount. But I think, you know, it's about... For example, Jean Campbell. I contacted her through Instagram because I really love her style. You know, I think she's just really wonderful. And said, you know, would you like to choose something? And, you know, she responded, which was really great. And she's been, you know, worn my jewellery. But, you know, if they don't respond, don't chase it, you know. It's got to feel like, it's got to feel natural. It's got to feel natural. It's really got to feel natural. And, yeah, you've got to just value your own brand. Yeah, absolutely. Talk us through your collection with Camille Charrier, who's, you know, I guess, I mean, she's not one of the original, but she was in the influencer world, you know, early on and hugely respected and has amazing Mm. style. And how did that come about? And has that been successful for you? I mean, there's a lot of jewellery brands kind of trying to make this whole collaboration. We've obviously seen the success of Lucy and Missima and and how, Mm, I mean, mm. that's just phenomenal what they've achieved together. How's it worked for you? And has that been a really positive thing? Camille, she's just got the best style, hasn't she? (laughs) She's got a great personality. She's got a sort of great, like, joie de vivre and kind of... And I contacted her through a friend because I just thought that we would be a great match and we did a very small capsule collection together, which sold out. And yeah, it was great. It was really, really good. I mean, you know, it was just a sort of one-off. But I mean, she's fabulous. Great style. <laughs> <laughs> great style. 
Great, so well, hopefully there'll be more of that to come. What's been the hardest thing about getting to the point you are now? Because I feel like you're really respected in the industry mm. and, you know, you're clearly a cool girl with a great eye and good style and, and, you know, you have the training and the background and the real understanding of what makes a great product. What's been difficult along the way? What has been difficult and continues to still be difficult is when you are sort of day-to-day always in touch with your customers and your clients. And I'm very hands-on. I'd say is not to take it too personally because there's always going to be tricky people who have an opinion. And, you know, I've learned to take it a lot of it on the chin. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I would say, you know, if you're a designer and you're hands-on and sometimes you do get negative feedback and you just, you, you have to learn to not take it personally. And mm. that I found quite difficult at the beginning yeah. because I'm a sensitive person but I've become much stronger and that's something I would say yeah. is that yeah. you know you have to have faith in what you're producing and you know some people will take it and some people will want to leave it and looking back now would you start your own business again do you love it do you feel like you're totally in the right place doing the thing that is right for you yeah a hundred percent I mean there's nothing more rewarding than working for yourself yeah. You know, having done both, there really isn't because, you know, every second that you put into your business, you know, you're the one that's going to be reaping the rewards of it. Mm. And yeah. you don't mind if you have to work longer hours or not take weekends or, you know, because yeah. you're the one that's being rewarded. Yeah. It's your baby. Exactly. And I mean, I wouldn't change it for anything. Equally, you know, there's an amazing freedom that comes with having your own business. You know, I'm lucky, I, you know, particularly with technology and the fact that I outsource a lot, you know, I can work from anywhere. So, yeah. you know, and, and it's the lifestyle as well. Do you employ anybody in house or do you just outsource everything? I outsource everything. Why have you gone down that route? It just works for me. As I was saying, you know, it gives me a freedom and and it means that, you know, I don't have overheads that are, you know, tying me down and people working on a freelance basis, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes business is better than it is at other times, as we all know. And how has it been in coronavirus? We've got to touch on that. How have you found the last, God, four or five months has been a bloody long time hasn't it God, it really um, has hasn't it it has how has that been for your business you know sales have been good and steady for good. me I imagine people they still will be spending a bit on jewelry as I said because they're not going out or, or yeah. maybe it's because a lot of my jewelry is semi-precious and it's crystals uh, you know there's lots of meanings behind certain pieces I've noticed that people have been buying a lot of the earrings that have meanings due to certain stones for example I sold a lot of my ruby hoops which you know correlate to bringing good health and emeralds for success and amethyst for protection and I think there's probably something to do with that as well you know yeah people buying into something else I hear you're pregnant oh (laughs) I am I am (laughs) which is always lovely to hear Um, and is this this is your first child it's my first I'm due in about three weeks so actually the past few months have flown by (laughs) I know I think that's the only good thing I have to say I didn't particularly enjoy being pregnant but I think if you're going to be pregnant 
being pregnant in lockdown is a great time. To be it was so a great time. You're not very, missing out on all the fun because there's not a lot happening. It's yes, very peaceful. Exactly. And selfishly, all my friends' weddings have been postponed to next year, so I'll be able to party and I won't, yeah. be, I won't be the pregnant girl at the, the wedding. There you go. Happy days. <laughs> How are you going to juggle work and to juggle another baby? Us women will figure it out. We'll figure it yeah. out. <laughs> we'll do it. I'm, I'm going to continue to work the whole way through. Yeah. And as I said, you know, that's one of the great things about working for yourself, you know? Yeah. And I can work also from home at the beginning and then I'll start going back to my studio. You will, as you say, we work it out. We're multitaskers. We work it out, us women, you know. Multitaskers. We do, we do. (laughs) Well, good luck with the rest of your pregnancy. I hope it goes well. Has it been has it been an easy pregnancy? It's been really easy I've been so so lucky I felt well the whole way through and didn't know I was pregnant until quite late on because <laughs> oh, I just you. felt so well and yeah no very exciting do you know what you're having no it's going to be a surprise well um, we will look forward to hearing some happy news it's been oh, lovely to chat to you Theodora me. good luck with the pregnancy and everything that's to come for your brand no doubt Many you're going to go thanks. from strength strength and if you don't own any of theodora's gold hoops this is not an ad but they really are the best ones out there www.theodorawar.eu there you go that's it for today thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed that then do please rate review subscribe and tell your friends too thanks very much bye-bye planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.